Welcome to the Golf Betting System Podcast 55. We are covering the 2019 Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship on the European Tour and the Desert Classic on the PGA Tour. This podcast is for listeners of 18 and above. I'm Steve Bamford, PGA Tour Preview at Golf Betting System and with me we have European Tour expert Paul Williams and podcast pundit Barry O'Hanrahan. Good evening, chaps. Evening, guys. Evening, guys. Golfbettingsystem.co.uk is our website. We are available on social media. You can join our Golf Betting System Facebook group. Link is available in the description box. Twitter handles, I'm at Bamford Golf. Paul is at Golf Betting and Barry is at A Good Talk Golf. Look out for the Golf Betting System YouTube channel where I present the Golf Betting Show each and every week. And this podcast is available on Podbean, iTunes, Spotify and a myriad of different pod channels. Subscribe and follow the podcast. Another plea as well for some rate, uh, some rate and reviews on iTunes. We were getting quite a few towards the end of last year. Any reviews on there that we can read, I will read at the top of each show. Right, chap. Should we talk about the Sony Open quickly? Yeah, yeah. Good event. You did well. Got a nice couple of places in from uh, from a couple of your guys. In fact, all all your. Four picks will finish in was it the top thirteen they finished in the end, your guys? Yeah, all four in the top thirteen. Yes, good effort. Good effort. And uh Chucky three sticks just missed out on a place for you, but the other two got in there for some returns, didn't they? What a bath. What mm. yeah. It was close. Old Chucky. I think we had him up seven places, didn't we? Yeah, and he finished. And, uh, he, he came in a tie for eight, so you'd have got your little bit of stake money back and a little bit back. But yeah, I tell you what, a note for next year, and this this seems to happen each and every year on the Sony Open. It really relates well to my greens in regulation um, tracker. So if you take this year for example, uh, Mark Leishman was second. We had uh, Andrew Putnam was seventh, and Matt Kuchar was ninth and they were all close to the top of the leaderboard weren't they Chucky three sticks was in 18th position and if you go back for previous winners even Pat and Kanzai he was eighth in that role in stat last year yeah it seems pretty good. and he goes back further than that yeah people that are hitting greens as they turn up at Wylot so that's one for that's one for the notes uh, next uh, next year for certain. I actually quite enjoyed the tournament. I saw a little bit of it. It's difficult with the time gap, but I was watching it kind of uh, during the day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, and uh, I just liked the golf course because it, it played really firm and fast. It was it was a bit more of a challenge for the PGA Tour kind of guys who were used to you know very a lot of cut in the fairways, whatever. It, from tee to green, it was extremely fast. Mm. It was, it was interesting to see that kind of challenge over there. Yeah, it so suited uh, Kucho on the end, didn't it? Oh, I did, yeah. I think when I looked at my um, stats for firm and fast across the field, I think he ranked in the uh, either top or in the top two Yeah, in the field. So it fell into his hands, big style. And even the, uh, even the caddy gate t- uh, tweets on uh, Saturday about his, uh, his paying of the, uh, of the guy... Um, Back in the last year, didn't seem to put him off if he paid any attention to any of that uh, that, that kicked off on Saturday night, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, yeah. what do you make of that, Baron? Do you know? I I read. I've nobody knows a thing until you get the evidence. Like 
you know, Kuchar's bank statement or, um, you know, the, the caddy talks to the press. But I read, like, I was going through some social media comments and somebody made a really good point that perhaps it was stated that it was 3,000 from a pure point of view of uh, that guy, if everybody local knows he got paid 125 grand or 10% or even close to that, yeah. he's now a target because they know he have he has money. Mm. So maybe it was kept like that just to kind of detract attention. Um, you know, I, I thought that was a, a, a valid possibility that it could happen that way. Um, Kuchar seems to have dismissed it quite quickly and just said, look, it wasn't 3,000, it wasn't the 10%. Yeah, yeah that's what he said. It, but it's, and it went, the fact that he said it's not a story probably means it was more than well taken care of. Yeah. So um, You'd like to think he doesn't, that, you? would like to think doesn't feel like the kind of guy who would, yeah, but he doesn't feel like the the impression you get from Kuchar on TV doesn't feel like the kind of guy who would really screw somebody over, no. does he? No, I don't know. It's it's hard to say. It's only, it's a distance perspective, you know, just seeing the guy on TV all the time. So um, I don't know. It's it's uh, until something more concrete comes out, like it's just pff, whatever. Well, he certainly added. He, he added another one point two million to his uh, <laughs> career earnings last week. So yeah, uh, things not aren't str- going too bad for Mister. He's Kuchar not struggling the lad, is he? And unfortunately, he held off uh, Mister. Putnam for you, didn't he? Even though Putnam got got to uh, got to within. In fact, he was tied with him, wasn't he, on the thirteenth hole? Thirteenth, uh, yeah, and then Kuchar just stretched away. Mm. I think the thing with the the thing that's worthy of um, note for listeners is, especially with this week coming up at the Desert Classic. Um, Putnam was basically in that position through the flat stick. It, it wasn't tee to green game, mm. uh, which is actually Putnam's. That's his strength. But as I said in the tips last week, Capilouri was second for strokes game putting, and then last week he came out. Um, let's have a quick look. A joint top with Brian Gay yeah. for strokes game putting, which isn't his game. So um, it was interesting, but. When you've got a guy playing and putting as well as that, you just think, don't you, over the course of 72 holes as the pressure gets more and more, that putting's going to just slowly ebb away yeah, slightly. You're not going to make and that's what did, right? yeah. Nah, you can't, can you? And surely, sure enough, as I said last week, strokes gained approach and strokes gained putting, uh, they were the two clearest numbers that you needed. Kuchar was seventh for strokes gained approach. And he was fourth for strokes game putting. And he was the yeah. only one in the top 10 that was in the top echelons of both of those categories. Mm. So that was that. Right, let's crack on. We'll try and get this done in in an hour. Um, Abu Dhabi HSBC Championship, the start of the European Tour in 2019, Paul. Crack it on. Is, yeah, it is indeed, yeah. Uh, first thing to note is it starts on Wednesday. So if you are having a punt on this, then... Uh, it's a day earlier, so it will finish on Saturday, um, but starting on Wednesday. So make sure you get your bets on nice and early this week. Um, and as you said, yeah, opening event of the season. It feels like it's been a, quite a while because we, we knocked off after Dubai, didn't cover the um, the small events after that. So it has been quite a uh, quite a stretch between then and now. But uh, ready and raring to go, get back into the uh, swing of these uh, previews and uh, trying to pick out some winners for 2019 that'd be nice um, Absolutely. so I mean the first thing we're going straight into a Rolex series event this week um, and this is kind of tied into a lot of the schedule changes that we've seen uh, from the European Tour this year so 
as we all know, the majors have all switched around a bit this year. So we've got the uh, USPGA May. We've got the uh, Open Championship, which uh, concludes the four majors this year in July. So it's all a bit of a kind of concertinaed um, schedule this year. Um, BMW PGA, as we said a couple of weeks ago, is now in September. Open to France is October. Um, and the net effect of all of that is that the uh, Rolex series has changed as well. And it kicks off here this week. In, in Abu Dhabi um, so it's managed as a result to attract what I think and we do tend to get a few names over for this event but for me eyeballing this week's field it looks like the strongest field that we've had for this event um, that I can recall anyway so you've got the likes of Dustin Johnson headlining um, Brooks Kepka, um, Tommy Fleetwood is going for a three-peat this week and then you've got the likes of Stenson, Oosthausen, Till Hatton Thomas Peters, Matt Wallace, Rafa Cabrera Bella. There's some cracking names at the top end of this week's field. Um, no doubt attracted by the fact it's a Rolex Series event. No doubt attracted by the fact it's a $7 million um, prize fund. And I'm sure there's a, a few appearance fees that have been uh, put into the equation as well. But um, They always all, try and pull over two big yanks, don't they? They do, yeah. I mean, Speed's played this a um, couple of times, hasn't he? Fowler won it in 20, I want to say 2016. Yeah. Um, DJ's been over before. DJ's been over before. Tiger used to come over for this, or what? He used to come over for one of the uh, golf events, didn't he? But um, he has played Kuchar this. Kuchar last year. He was the other one that came over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Year. Yeah, so um, and, and Mac- McElroy's clearly played this as well. So there's been a few that um, have predominantly played in the PGA Tour who've used this as one of their. Um, events to kick off the year. Difference this year is we don't have um, one of the South African events um, to kind of kickstart the European Tour. They they play the South African Open um, and the Alfred Dunhill Championship at the back end of last year. So whereas typically would have kicked off with the SA Open last week, that's already done. So um, no one's had a warm up apart from the guys who have been playing over on the PG, PGA Tour. So. The likes of John Johnson, who's played the century. Kepka played the century. Um, Ian Poulter's has come over and he played the century and he played the Sony last week. But um, other than that, there's not a great deal of people who who have been uh, playing any competitive golf so that, far this year. That has to be a major negative against Poulter travelling from Honolulu direct into Abu yeah, Dhabi. It's a, it's a long old that, trip. That's a it? nasty journey, that is, isn't it? Mm. Yeah, it's a shame because he did actually. Um, he, he played well in the century. He, he hit a lot of lots and lots of greens in the century, and then uh, he wasn't too bad last week. Would he finished mid thirties, thirty third, something like that? If he finished from memory, so he, you know, nothing special, but nothing uh, disastrous either. But uh, no, he was actually making plenty of birdies last week. Mm. Yeah, and having it was just much- a few too many bogeys. Yeah, and having made um, well, having hit a lot of greens the week before it would suggest there's a little bit percolated yeah. with Poulter. But but yeah, there's something in there. He's a, he's a, you know one that you could look at and uh, and disregard on the basis that it is going to be a bit of a trek over. Um, having played a couple of weeks on the trot over in Hawaii, but um, we shall see. So on the on the basis that we know the course well. Mm. Um, you know they played this for many many years. We we know it's a high quality field. How are you tackling this in terms of your staking plan? And you know when you've got someone at the likes of Dustin Johnson at six to one at the top of the field. Yeah, I know that isn't that isn't your 
MA usually in terms of betting. Well, Who, what kind of player are you looking for this week in terms of skill sets? I mean, it's fairly obvious with Tommy Fleetwood winning the last two years on the trot. But yeah, well, if you look at you've got the likes of Fleetwood's won it you know, last last two years. Um, Martin Keimer's won it a couple of times. Robert Rock won. Um, so you look at those players and thinking, well, predominantly uh, you know, ball strikers. Um, Paul Casey's won it. Um, but then you have got players the likes of Fowler, players the likes of Jamie Donaldson, um, Gary Stowell, who won that uh, event in 2015 when, when Keimer collapsed. Um, you know, they, they do kind of temper the uh, the view of how this track plays out. But for me, um, I think if you're attacking the pins from the fairway here, then you're going to be in a far stronger position than not. I think fairways maximise greens and regulation. Um, you don't have to be the best putter in the world to, to win here if you're hitting a lot of greens and uh, and making um, a few mistakes. Um, bogey avoidance is key for me here. Um, I think if you're, say, finding those greens and uh, and taking your opportunities when you've played a decent shot in. The, the, the greens here, Bermuda, Tiff Dwarf greens, um, 12 and a half on the stimp. So generally decent quality if you are finding the fairways and finding the greens with regulation you should set yourself up for some decent uh, decent scoring opportunities um question for you quick question do you hmm. think this plays more like the event at the dubai desert classic or is it more like the earth course at the end of the year in terms of just the way the, the i mean it's a lot longer than dubai for a start isn't it? it's almost seven thousand six hundred yards which is more yeah. earth course to me but it's it's yeah in terms of length it's it's closer to the earth course i think in terms of the skill sets it's closer to um to the emirates to the dubai desert classic i think That's um, it, finding um, fairways and finding greens i mean it, the, the key stat with the emirates for me is 100% greens and regulation that is the first port of call when you're looking to find a potential winner for for that Dubai Desert Classic is finding those players who have high greens and regulation I I, I tend to start a very similar point with this Um, but I do put a lot of credence into into, uh, bogey avoidance with this Um, and you do need to be able to putt Bermuda with this as well and you know Putting on Bermuda, putting on Tiff Dwarf isn't necessarily going to be everyone's cup of tea. Um, some players get on with the grain, some people can read the grain, some can't. So um, looking back in the history of players who've performed well on this kind of surface is another key starting point. The other thing is this is the first event for most of these players. And some start well each year, some start sluggishly, some may have had... Uh, you know, may have uh, small families they didn't have a few years ago, so they've spent less time uh, practicing over the winter. Um, you know, there's a multitude of factors to try and build into it. Um, we've actually got, in terms of the weather this week, we've got some factors as well because generally you go out to these places in the, in the Middle East and the, uh, the the weather is pretty consistent. But this week um, we're starting off with a couple of pretty placid days, temperatures in the low 80s, sunny as you'd expect. Um, and then they're expecting the wind to get up over the um, final two days, so over Friday, Saturday, and we're looking at averages of 20 mile an hour winds, which is pretty, uh, pretty strong for here, and pretty, you know, given this is quite a uh, quite an exposed track, I think it will have an impact on the scoring. I don't think we're going to be looking at the kind of 22 under uh, total the Fleetwood got last year. I think it's going to be down into the mid teens. Um, and that, again, I think will put the emphasis on players who are more adept at that, those who've potentially played well in windy conditions or 
um, coastal conditions, open championships, linksy type places in the past, you know, using those different uh, skill sets potentially over the final two days. Um, but also the better ball strikers should uh, should, should find a way to uh, to be able to tame that uh, tame those conditions. It's not going to be brutal by any stretch of the imagination, but it will be slightly different and slightly more challenging than perhaps they've had in some previous years as well. So this this uh, piece that you've got in here is absolutely you know we're talking about overpriced players, mm. um, and there was some feedback last week about people uh, listeners enjoying uh, views on who we think are overpriced. And this piece in here that you've got about the top two in the market from 2013 onwards actually never winning here. Oh, no, it's, it's mad. It, shout, it just shouts um, actually avoiding the big two in the market this week. Yeah, so from, I, what you're, from what I'm reading, the, 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 the top two in the market haven't won this. Is that correct? Going back, to 2013? 20, yeah, going back to 2013, and you can read through the list, um, and it, it's all in my preview, but... Um, typically, you've had two and sometimes three players who've been um, in single digits or there or thereabouts. Yeah. You know, single digits, maybe nine, ten, eleven to one, that kind of bracket. Um, and none so, of them yeah, won. So effectively, DJ Fleetwood and Kepka this week. Yeah, absolutely. So you're looking at those top three, and um, and they all fall into that kind of bracket. And yeah, I mean, you, you, independently, you could argue any of the, you know a case for all three of them, couldn't you? Um, but you, le- you look at DJ, um, he arrived here last year, just won the, um, the champ- uh, Tournament of Champions by eight strokes, um, and he finished ninth. So uh, on the basis that he came here and he finished fourth a couple of weeks back, you know, arguably that, that form that he's got this year isn't as strong as last year, and last year he still didn't get the... Uh, he still didn't even place at the end of the day. Um, Kepka, the last two seasons, he started really slowly, um, January, both years, and... Uh, 24th I think he was at the century so again that doesn't give you a massive amount of enthusiasm to be backing him at short prices um, and of the three Fleetwood given that he's won this the last two times is the one that you'd perhaps look at and think well you know it's, he clearly got he's got the lie of the land he, um, he was playing well at the back end of last year although he was still playing relentless golf when you know everyone was almost pleading with him to uh, to take some time off um, and he had a down tools over Christmas um, yeah, he's got he's got as good a chance as any of these top players, I guess, Tommy. But winning three consecutive events uh, year after year after year is a big feat, and it doesn't happen that often, does it? It's it's a big ask for Tommy, I think. Um, and we know he's just changed iron manufacturers. Absolutely, yeah. So he's you know he's been tinkering with his clubs, um, and well, we'll see. Um, I've I've swerved all three of them. Um, you know, perhaps they're quite. Um, you know, tentative in terms of the reasons why, but um, yeah, I think you could. You, you could I would say they're tentative. They're kind of black and white from looking yeah. at your preview. You know, it's just it's fact, isn't it? Yeah. The, I mean, if the, you the, if you were building if you were building DraftKings teams, I'd probably still be looking to build those players in in some shape or form in various uh, various percentages within your teams because I don't I don't think you could argue that all three of them are going to finish outside of the. You know the, the top six, top eight kind of positions, but whether you could justify going in and backing one of them win only, um, even if you're backing them at each way a nine ten to one for Fleetwood and Kepka, that's you know you're not getting much back if they uh, they finish second, third, you know sixth, seventh, whatever terms you end up with um, for this week. So. Yeah, I think I think the value lies a little bit further down. I mean, for my picks, I've not gone a massive amount further down to begin with. Um, I've, I've started with Louis Oosthuizen, who I think 
in this being is a President's Cup year, I think you will start to see some some players, the likes of the, you know the York of Oosthuizen, really start to uh, to come to the fore. And the stat that really got me, and there's, there's a lot, and again you can read through my preview. There's a lot lot of justification of various uh, various angles with Oosthuizen. But if you look back in his history, he has won the first event that he's played of the calendar year four times over the course of his career. Um, wow. And that's says to me he's the kind of player that is mentally and physically prepared to to come out you know and hit the ground running at the start of each uh, each calendar year puts more emphasis on on making sure that his game is in tip top position uh, or, or, you know he's, he's he's in the right kind of form when he uh, when when he comes out to play his first event and to do that four times and yeah I, admittedly some of these events were little small key you know low key south african events but uh, but even so you've still got to beat what's put in front of you and uh, uh, I, th- I think uh, Oosthuizen's got a great chance here. He was playing great at the back end of last year. Um, fifth at the CIMB, 29th at CJ Cup, third at the Nedbank, and then won the, the South African Open. An emotional win for him, um, big win for him. And mm. uh, to com- kind of complete that Open Championship, South African Open double, which uh, which, which was big in his mind. Uh, That's got to boost his confidence. I think it has so, yeah. to. Yeah, he was hitting loads of greens. He was putting really well. Um, and he's again. If you look back and read some of his um, the transcripts, from some of his interviews, or listen to some of the interviews that have been that he's, he's given on the European tour over the back end of the last year, he was talking a lot about how well he was putting. He obviously felt very comfortable and very confident in his putting, and that started to marry up with some high greens and regulation. And when you marry those two together with a player like Louis, um, oh, he's yeah. very very dangerous. Um, he hasn't played here since 2011, um, but he's finished second. He nearly chased uh, Paul Casey down when Casey won in 2009, I think it was. Um, mm. And he finished off with 64 that week. And uh, Casey went into the final final nine with a six-shot lead and very nearly got caught by uh, Oosthuizen that, that week. Um, he was fifth the year after. So he's got a bit of, bit of uh, relevant uh, course form. Um, and uh, yeah, I think that you know if, if he can combine all of the different factors together, he's got a great chance this week. Um, Twenty-two to one, I got on him with seven places with Boyles earlier today, and it's still around right now. We're recording at six o'clock on Monday evening, so um, if you're quick, there may may well still be those terms available um, on Louis Oosterhausen. Um, Henrik Stenson's another one I've backed, and again, that's you know, there's two here from close to the top of the market, and uh, I think they've both got very strong chance to win this week. Louis and and Stenson, who again has been playing some great golf at the back end of last year, and um, three points from three at the Ryder Cup. Again, if you look at Stenson, he's got a great record in the um, in the desert. He's won in Qatar, won in Dubai. Um, at the uh, at the Emirates, he's won in Dubai twice at uh, the Earth Course as well. This is the only one of those kind of traditional Middle East events that he hasn't won. But um, he's had some decent records. He's finished twice, uh, finished second twice in the past. Third, I think he arrives here with form, course form of three eight eight over the last three years. So um, he's got he's got a strong chance as well. And at the back end of last year, he had a little procedure on his elbow. Um, after the Ryder Cup, and then he came out after that and finished 12th in Dubai, 4th at the Hero, um, mm. 4th at the Indonesian Open. So there's some decent form at the back end of the year, hitting lots of greens, making lots of putts as well. So 
Again, you've got a nice little potent combination. And if you're looking for this kind of ball-striking player, then, again, you know, Louis and, uh, and Henrik Stenson are kind of put into a very similar bracket in terms of their um, their ball-striking capabilities. So there was, there was definitely green shoots for Henrik at the end of last year, wasn't there? Yeah, he seemed at ease with his game. Um, you know, he obviously recovered very quickly and very well from that uh, the little bit of work they did on his elbow. And... Um, it was his putting again. He, was, he seemed to be really, really quite confident in his putter. And we've seen him before, you know, in, not, in, in the not too distant past where he's looked a, almost a little bit yippy with his putting, but um, he looked, certainly looked better the last time I've, I've seen him play. And, and uh, you know, again, you combine all those together, uh, combine a bit of greens and regulation with, uh, with decent putting, and he's, he's got, got himself a chance, I think, this week. So those are my top two. Um, I went two points each way on both of those guys. Um, I could have I could have stopped there, but there are a few more I fancy. I did, did have a look at uh, Shane Lowry. I talked to you, Steve, about Lowry um, yeah, last week. Yeah, and you know he's um, he's been hitting the ball, striking the ball very nicely, and it's again you know, we know he's a great putter when he gets uh, when he gets going. But if he can, if he can find the putter, then he could be dangerous. The only reservation I always have with Lowry is that I often when I see him have a. Uh, you know, have a have a week, have a have a run before he. Uh, you know, I think about backing him. Um, but we saw him at some horrifically short prices at the back end of last year, and he's gone out to some something a bit more backable um, right now. I think he was around about fifty to one, uh, sixty to one. You can get in places actually. Um, but I've not gone with him. I've gone with Martin Keimer, um, glutton for punishment. But um, I've backed Keimer <laughs> a number of times here. Hmm. Um, I backed him that year when he um, relinquished that ten shot lead to Gary Stale as well, which. Um, was well, I don't know I was, I was flabbergasted I expect alongside the, the bulk of the uh, golf watching world that week but um, I've come back for a little bit more because I thought 50 to 1 was a decent enough price for a bloke who's won this three times you know this is a former world number one this is a two time major winner um, you know he, he tried to tried to tame Augusta didn't he and swung, you know, changed some of his swing thoughts and swing processes and didn't quite work but I think really the catalyst for him losing his form was probably when he lost here to to, to Gary Stow and I think if, if he's going to exercise those demons he needs to do it here I think he needs to get that off his off his back and uh, there, again you talk about green shoots there I think there was some green shoots with Keimer at the back end of last year he finished fifth mm. in Turkey only made two yep. bogeys that week um, and that's much more Keimer like um, striking the ball really well, and again, it's list- interesting listening to to him in um, in interview because he he knew he knows that he's been striking the ball extremely well, and um, he was kind of scuttling off to spend some time on his short game over the winter because he feels um, and the quote from himself that he's striking the ball better than he was when he got all the way to world number one in 2011. He feels that his game is mm. in that kind of state where he can exceed that kind of. Um, performance when he was the best player in the world um, but his short game isn't backing that up at the moment he's not making the putts he's not making the, uh, yeah, the well the other downs. thing is I mean just looking at the raw stats if, you, if you're bang on your game here you're a top quality ball striker and you're, you're, you're absolutely pummeling greens you, you can hit 90% of greens in regulation around this place yeah you can yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that you... then takes away that requirement that weakness in terms of the scrambling it does, yeah. And if you're if you're making, you know, if you're hitting that many greens, then you you can afford to be putting in the mid one point sevens, um, you know, mm. in the high one point sevens, and you you'll be very very competitive. 
you know, the, the, the guy knows this course. He knows the course inside out. He loves the course. You know, notwithstanding what happened in 2015, it's it's tailor made for him. Um, his long games mm-hmm. on cue, you know, and we know from his major wins, he's capable of competing with and beating the kind of field that's in front of him here. For me, the gamble is purely whether his short game is going to be up to scratch, um, and that's the gamble that we're taking. That he's he's spent sufficient time, and he's, you know, it's all clicked over the winter, and he's going to come out uh, firing this week. But I thought fifty to one. I was expecting less. I must say, I thought fifty to one was worth taking that chance on with him this week um, and the longer prices there are yeah, again given you've got these players at the top end of the market there are some decent longer prices out there the one that really caught my eye was Jason Scrivener um, who did get his first win back in the 2017 when he won on the Australasian tour the, the, the uh, New South Wales Open I think it was um, and he beat Lucas Herbert there You know, we, we've talked about Lucas Herbert a number of times but uh, yeah. Herbert, Herbert's highly rated, and um, I think he finished six shots ahead of him that week. He was—he uh, he just got one of those weeks where it all came together. Um, but there's lots, of, lots of little bits to like with Scrivener. He had his best of, uh, year on the race to Dubai last year. Finished sixty-eighth, I think it was in the end. Uh, finished sixth in Dubai. Um, but the real form for him came at the back end of 2018, where he finished third in um, Hong Kong and then sixth at the Aussie PGA hit lots of greens over that and was was putting nicely as well. Um, so there's a bit of Bermuda green form in there. There's some current form. Um, and whilst he hasn't really put anything notable together here, he's played it twice and he finished kind of late 30s, early 40s both times. He was top 20 going into the weekend on both of those occasions. And I think he's playing good enough and better golf now that if he's sitting at kind of 15th, 20th going into the weekend this week, he could well push on and uh, get himself an each way payout for for punters. And I thought again, one hundred and twenty five to one I got earlier on him um, was worth taking on uh, against this field. Seems to have a lot of the attributes I want. I think. But yeah, they're my four. My four to kick off the uh, the year for the European Tour. I always think in Presidents Cup year, it's often interesting to look at the uh, internationals and players that have great seasons in a President's Cup year. Mm. You know, the likes of Johnny Vegas jumps to mind uh, from a couple of years ago. Top 12 so far qualifiers. I mean, it's early doors, but Lucas Herbert's at 12. Jason Day, 11. We've got a couple of uh, Yuki Inamori. Then we've got Grio, Matsuama, Sean Norris. He, he plies his trade in the in Japan, doesn't he? He does. Shugo Imi... He's good. He's he's relentless out there, isn't he? Not. He's yeah. He's, he's shot right up the world rankings as well. I couldn't tell you exactly what he is, mm. but I'm sure he was kind of seventieth, eightieth at one point quite recently. So obviously, then Shugo, Shugo Imahira, who I know that you were on last week, first round leader, uh, Barry. How Tong How Tong Lee, and then the big uh, big names at the top: Louis Oost Housen at four. Abraham Answer at three, Cam Smith two, Mark Leishman one. Mm. So there's some good, there's some big names currently outside of that. I mean, Danny Lee's a player that we know has qualified for the President's Cup before. He's 15, CT Pan 14, Ashan Wu. I know you were talking about him, Paul, for this week, 13. Yeah. Uh, Corey Connors is another. He's uh, He jumped from 58th in the President Cup rankings to 19th last week with the uh, Mm. third place at the Sony Open. And we've still got the likes of Kiridesh Afibanrat, who's outside of the spots. 
uh, Scrivener's on the fringes as well. So just uh, that's something to bear in mind, I think, for golf punters as we move through the year, that you will see international players percolating. It just happens every two years. Yep, yep, for sure. Definitely. What did you think of Matsuama again last week? He, he's got big, big troubles, isn't he, Matt Matsuama? Yeah, he's not right. He, he must be way down on that list, mustn't he? He's in eight. Eighth place at the moment. Yeah, in danger, then. In danger. He's got a Potentially. Yeah, he's not. There's something seriously uh, not right with Hideki at the moment. Mm. Uh, Barry, what do you, what what's your take on this in terms of your punting? Um, I've gone and taken as my top pick Thomas Detry, mm. who's is coming off a a win, albeit in the team event in the World Cup of Golf um, back yeah. at the end of November. Mm-hmm. Um, he had a ninth here last year and. Before the World Cup of Golf, he had put himself into a couple of great spots for a third and a seventh place and just kind of fell away. But I'm just kind of thinking that maybe that getting that win with the World Cup of Golf might give him that extra little bit of confidence he needs when he's uh, when he's in the mix on Sunday afternoons. And, you know, at 50 to 1, um, I thought that was a pretty nice price for uh, a super talented golfer and hopefully he can convert that confidence from the World Cup win into a good performance yeah. this week. It'll, it'll be a popular pick this week. I think him and Peters will both be popular. I'm sure they'll be yeah. tipped up by uh, one or both of the papers, at least one or if not both of them. Um, Could be. I'm uh, much happier to, well, I mean, me, me being the price junkie that I am, I was much happier to take uh, Detry at 50 yeah. to 1 versus Peters at 25. Yeah, 25 best price, yeah, on Peters. Yeah. I think so, he's got a big uh, chance. I think both the Belgians have got a big chance this week. But fingers crossed I am on the right one. Mm. Um, a couple of others that caught my eye uh, for small bets. I've been on. Mm-hmm. He was uh, leading the Australian oh. Open, wasn't he? Uh, uh, December. Yep. Or uh, was it last week of November? Anyway, it was, the, it was, it was uh, down, down in the Southern Hemisphere. So uh, their summer. But he was leading, was it? I, he was definitely leading at halfway. And then um, Abraham Anser came through and took it. Yeah, but he's obviously in good nick, and we know he's a top quality ball striker. Yeah, he's got a great, yeah, he's got a great record in the yeah. uh, in the golf as well. His um, his yeah. Middle East form over the years has been loves the desert. Strong. Yeah, yeah, really good. So I've got him at forty to one. So happy enough to be on board with that. And for a long, he didn't yeah, even go. appear in that. To- he didn't even appear in the top twelve either, did he? Anne, in terms mm. of this Presidents Cup. I mean, I'm scrolling down. I haven't seen him yet. Oh, he's at fortieth. So he needs to start wow. performing. Mm. Needs must. Mm. Needs must. Yeah, I, don't know. I think. I think the. I mean, when it comes to the Presidents Cup, I mean, they really that like. Of course, it'd be great to get onto the team, but that just happens as a result of playing well for yourself. That's like a cherry on top. I mean, mm. the, the the main focus of the week is perform well for myself, and then you get the benefits that come with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the the Presidents Cup is that like they're not going to be out there thinking, oh, this this I've this put to make the Presidents Cup team. They're thinking I've this put to win the tournament. No, or not put, at this stage. But I do think though that if you were looking at twelve internationals for that team, you'd probably put most people will have Anne Benny Anne in their top twelve. Could be, yep. yeah. Mm. Really, really good player. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and for an outsider, because uh, well, it's just fun, you know. Um, I've gone for a past champion who I've seen on social media grinding away over the holidays. 
at least the social media game is good for it. Uh, whether he's actually grinding as much as that is another question. But uh, one of my favorites, he'll probably drive me crazy and start with a quad. But uh, Pablo Larathabal <laughs> is available at 100 to 1. He was showing the odd snippet of form as well, wasn't he, the back end of last year? He's, he's always one I like to keep an eye on as well, Pablo. Yeah. He's done well out in the desert, hasn't he? Lit- yeah, he's won this. Little flashes. Yeah, little flashes of form. So, uh, I don't know. He's just, for me, he's just so likable and I just can't help backing him, especially when I see him at 100 to 1. So, uh, yeah, off you go, Pablo, and do do your worst. Yeah. No, can't, can't uh, dispute the chances of those three, Barry. I think you've got a chance of getting something back on one of those. Yeah, I'm not going to be as uh, overwhelmingly confident as I was with my bets last week. Who all? Uh, well, actually, who was it? St- Stanley in the end got his act together after his opening seventy-five. He did, he did play better. Oh, yeah, he was at an awful first round, didn't he? And then uh, shot sixty-five in the final round. Yeah, tight. Shocking. Or was it was it seventy-three or seventy-five? Seventy-three first round. I think he had. So if he if he I think if he had a sixty-eight first round, I know it's a bit of a leap, but you know he he was playing well enough clearly uh, between. Uh, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, that the Thursday round can go down as a whoopsie, yeah. you know? So, um, yeah, unfortunately, uh, the tournament was not uh, over three rounds, it was over four. Mm. So, uh, yeah, sure, let's see how these boys go this week. And, um, you know, if I win, then I can start being cocky, you know, on the <laughs> podcast. You never know. Maybe it's the week. There's a classic. Now, this is the old Bob Hope classic, as far as I know it. And it, you know, it's had various different... Um, his Humana challenge, you had the Career Builder challenge was the latest. Uh, basically, the, the tournament they played uh, out at, in California, it's the first mainland uh, American tournament on the PGA Tour each year. They play at Palm Springs, La Quinta, uh, which has always been a big golfing com- uh, commune of California. Um it's a reasonable field, actually. Again, it's one of these tournaments that seems to be benefiting from the new regulations. So we've got Rahm, we've got Justin Rose, we've got Patrick Cantlay, we've got Ch- uh, Chucky Three Sticks, and down at 40-1, to 1, who I'm sure there'll be plenty of people looking at Phil Mickelson at 40-1 to mm. 1 and thinking that's a ridiculously good price on a talented uh Hall of Famer, so I would have thought Mickelson's going to have some interest at forty For, to one. Former, former winner of this as well, isn't he? I think he's won it twice if mm. you go way back. Yeah. Um, whether the new course rotor suits him is a different kettle of fish. Although I think he was in the top three or five a couple of years ago here. So um, yeah, I think forty to one is a, a little bit of value for Phil Mickelson fans. Um. Played over three courses. It's a pro-am. It's the kind of tournament you really don't want to watch. Um, it takes uh, it takes 15, 20 minutes per hole. Uh, it can be five or six hours. Uh, it's one of these P- uh, PGA Tour um, pro-ams, though, where the final round is for professionals only. So it's a 54-hole pro-am, effectively. Uh, the courses on offer are TPC Stadium, which is the host course. That's a peat dye design, so think TPC Sawgrass. Uh, and uh, I've got a whole list of peat dye designs, but uh, TPC Sawgrass is his most famous, as we know. You've also got the tournament course, which is Jack Nicholas design. And we've also got La Quinta, got Country Club, which is next door. 
Now, in terms of their difficulty last year, La Quinta was 51 of 51 in terms of difficulty, i.e. the easiest on the PGA Tour. Uh, tournament course was second easiest, and the TPC Stadium course was the 15th easiest course on the PGA Tour last season. And that basically tells you where we're at here. Um, usually, you get very little wind. It's desert golf. The greens here are very, very, very pure Tiff Dwarf Bermuda grass, which are overseeded with Poa Trivialis. So they're overseeded Bermuda grass greens. And every year you read comments from the players here that they, they are the purest greens that they play up there with Augusta in terms of the pureness of the putting here. Mm. So that's where we're at. Um, interestingly enough, I'll get this in at the top before I forget, the last three winners here have all played um they haven't played the stadium course in their first round now clearly i pulled the tips together on a monday if you have got the luxury of not actually wanting to place your bets before the draw is made there might be something in this um you've got the likes of let me just read you these details john rahm last year played la quinta first so the easiest course hudson swafford who won here in 2017 played la quinta first and Jason Duffner, who won here the first time this was played here back in 2016 on this three-course rotor, he played the tournament course. So second easiest, then the easiest two courses for both Swafford and Rahm. That might be something to bear in mind, and it kind of makes logical sense. Yeah, do you think it's psychological? I think so. Well, you look, listen to this. Duffner was first after round one. Hudson yeah. Swafford was second after round one. John Rahm was first after round one. Mm-hmm would suggest you need a rather fast start. And if you're playing yeah. the course that is considerably harder first, um, you you can even play that course br- you know, brilliantly, shoot four under, and you're still seven or eight off the lead. Yeah, yeah. so you look at the leaderboard and it feels like you're already onto a loser, even though you've actually played a... It's similar to the, to the Dunhill Links, isn't it, where if you, you play a decent round at Carnoustie... Um, and that could be level par or even one over if the conditions are, yep. are bad. Yet you might find yourself five, six, seven, eight shots back and uh, yeah, it feel, feels like you're a mile off and actually you're not. I think there's something in that, mm. definitely in terms of course rotor. Um, the other thing I'm really looking for here is, uh, you know, I always look at the average stats, strokes gained, but also, you know, the, the greens and regulation and uh, putting average, scrambling and the likes. If you take the winners here, going back uh, 16, 17, 18, this three-course rotor, in terms of the what I would call traditional statistics, greens in regulation is the key. Uh, the average uh, field position was 12th, and the other key statistic was putting average, which was 12th, with that, which actually, when we were talking about Kapalua the other week and when we were talking about Wileye the other week, those numbers for putting average, putts per GIR, were far, far lower. And in my mind, when you look at winners like Jason Duffner, Hudson Swafford, John Rahm, these are guys that are great ball strikers. When they're in good nick, they can hit tons and tons of greens, and they're also pretty damn good off the tee. You know, Rahm can take courses apart off the tee. Hudson Swafford, the year he won this, was also driving the ball very, very well when he arrived here. And even Jason Duffner, you look at 2016, the year he won here, I think he was in the top 50 for strokes gained off the tee that particular season. So I'm looking for guys that are hitting the ball very, very nicely off the tee, arriving in California this week. 
Winning prices, John Rahm was 10 to 1 favourite last week. That 10 to 1 was only available at Bet365. He was mainly 9 to 1 and there were, he was as short as 8 to 1 with quite a few firms before he won this last year. Swafford was 66s, Jason Duffner was 40s. If you take the average price of the last five renewals since we've gone to the wraparound season, the average price winner here is 56 to 1. So that's the kind of price point we need to be looking at in, uh, in terms of target prices. Um, it's not a bad field. You know, this is always one of the weakest tournaments, but it is a pure, pure birdie fest. All we are looking for are guys that can shoot incredibly low numbers. 24, 25, 29, 22, 25, 20, and 22 under are the winning totals of this over recent years. And that kind of converts to uh, the last the three times they've run it here, 42%, 36%, and 38%. And that, that is conversion, birdie or better conversion. So if you're, if you're not birdieing or better, at least one in three holes, you're not contending here. I mean, that is some kind of pressure, really. Mm. So... Need to um, have your shooting boots on. You've got to have your shooting boots on, and you've got to be hitting the ball very, very sweetly. And I don't think you have to be the best putter here. You know, I could see someone like, let's think of some names. I could see someone like a Roberto Castro popping up here. Someone who's predominantly a great ball striker, who when he has a good week with a flat stick, because he's hitting the ball nice and close, all of a sudden pops up, in, pops up on a leaderboard. Yep. I could see someone like that uh, do it, having a good week. One price absolutely shocked me this week. Uh, not all of the firms are up because clearly they've been doing a lot of work on Abu Dhabi. But one price absolutely shocked me. I haven't put him in my tips, but I just could not believe what I was seeing. I, I was seeing earlier triple digits on Danny Willett. And I know he's making a tournament debut, but this is the guy that won the DP World Tour Championship on the European yeah, Tour yeah. last year. Uh, he's been backed in. I'm seeing the biggest price now with Unibet, who are six places each way, 90 to 1 on Danny Willett. There are far better players, uh, far worse players in this field than Danny Willett, and that price um, does look rather large for a guy that's already stated he's going to be playing a mainly PGA Tour um, schedule this year. Yeah, I should have given him a stack of confidence, the, uh, the win at the back end of last year, that's for sure. Well, I remember that because you ticked him up in South Africa and he finished virtually last, didn't he? And then the week after, he pops up at the DB World Tour Championship and wins, yeah? Yeah, that's one of those, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. It happens more often than you'd you'd care to remember. Barry, you you were last with the... uh, with the uh, Abu Dhabi tournament, is there anyone that has caught your eye this week in terms of who you might be selecting this week over in California? Uh, only one of my favourite names, and it's it's literally just a name play. Uh, it's Peter Uline. Uh, yeah, um, showed a bit of bit of life towards the end of last year. He did. He was seventeenth in this uh, last time last year. Um, so he's fifty to one. I just said, like, let's just throw it on and let's just double him up with Detry as well for shits and giggles. Try to land the bomb. Try- Try try land the bomb. Um, I don't really have much logic to it at all. He's one of my favorite golfers, so I just said let's give it a punt. I find pro ams very difficult to back. 
um, or just to, to even just cut like this. You know, they could just get matched with some with an amateur partner who drives them nuts, or or the amateur from the other pro could drive them nuts and just totally put them off their game. Or yeah. you know, there's so many additional factors to the tournament that, than a regular week. So um, I find it very hard to gauge who will go well, who won't go well on a pro am. So I might I might keep an eye on running and 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 see where we at, we're at um, throughout the week. Maybe wait to see where the cards lie after Saturday mm. and maybe just have a punt on somebody on Sunday. It's interesting with Uline because in my, my mind, particularly from watching him on the European Tour, he's an outstanding putter, but he's not been putting that well um, recently or the back end of last year. And actually, he was hitting a lot of a lot of greens at the back end, kind of November time at mm. the Shriners, finished seventh at the RSM. Um, and it still yeah. wasn't putting particularly well, but if he does, if he continues to hit greens like that, and that putter suddenly finds something, um, and gets down to the kind of level that we know he can he can putt at, um, I wouldn't be remotely surprised to see him contend this kind of this kind of event. I must say. Yeah, and, and like the the course is playing a little bit more friendly because they're pro, you know it's pro am setup will, oh, yeah, will help yeah. him. Soft, he's, soft he's, stim, yeah, very soft. Yeah. Very and he's not well in terms of driving as well. He's not uh, amazing with his accuracy, so uh, that'll kind of play play a little bit to into his uh, to his advantage, hopefully, or or not to his disadvantage anyway. Mm-hmm. So um, I don't really have any other anyone outside of that. Um, yeah, sorry, <laughs> one and done. Could be the one though, Barry. Could be the one. I've, I've only got one. He always grabs me, Peter Uline, as the sort that's better in a low-scoring birdie fest. Yeah. I know that he's done well at Open to France and stuff in the past, but it's, for me, it's uh, when birdies are a premium, he tends to pop up on leaderboards, Uline. Yeah. So, yeah, um, I can see the logic there, Barry. Well, you know, he, he putted at 1.57 last year when he, he played it, and that's, that's, that's mm. a Peter Uline stat. And if he, if he does combine that with the kind of GIR stats that he's been producing... At the back end of last year, I yeah, I, I think that could be a cracking pick. I must say, he hadn't really crossed my mind, but um, yes, um, I've only got. I, I tell you, what, I'll give you my my one name, Steve, and then you can go into yours. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm sticking with Brian Gay for a second consecutive week. Um, Good old Brian. Yeah, I was on him last week, and um, he he kind of meandered about. He he, he put four rounds together in the uh, in the sixties. Finished off with his best round of the week with a 66. But the thing that really caught my eye is that he led the field for putting average. He led the field for strokes gain putting. Um, and he didn't actually play that great from tee to green. And we know with Brian, he's actually a very strong tee to green um, player. Um, and he has historically played very strong. He has had some very strong performances here um, from tee to green. He's won here in the past. Um, and um, I thought 100 to 1, given that he kind of shook the rust off last week, um, knows the lie of the land here, and was putting well. Uh, 21 birdies on the week. That wasn't quite the best on display, but it was it was up there with the kind of in, in the top 10 percentile, I guess, of the, all the players that were out there. Um, I thought 100 to 1 was worth taking on this week. Um, but it's the, the only one that's. Um, Go on, mate. Sorry. No, no, the sorry, thing that's no, clear here, I was, I was backing you up on Gay. The thing that's clear here, 2016, listen to these names. Jason Duffner, David Lingworth, Kevin Nahr. Then you've got the likes of Andrew Loopy, 
Phil Mickelson and Jamie Lovemar. I mean, if there's a, there's a complete, total different range of players there. Mm. From the short and the accurate, the great putters right through to the absolute fragrant, you know, flagrant guys off the tee that bang it as far as they want to. And that's the kind of test this is. Anyone can actually step up and win it. It's a pro-am yeah. on three courses that you can actually absolutely take apart if it's your week. So no, so you've got Barry at one extreme with Peter Uline, and you've got you at the other with Brian Gave. And the fact of the matter is, they can both they can all they can both contend. It's, yeah. it's fact, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. yeah I, th- I think you're right. I think it is one of those more um, challenging weeks. You can't just you, you know you can't just uh, pigeonhole the event and uh, and, and you know, pick a player purely on specification. It's got to be a, got to be a, got to be an element of gut feel with it as well. I think. I'll tell you where I'm at. Um, I've gone for four. One was a late entry. Um, the way I kind of see this panning out potentially is when you look at the previous three renewals they've done on this course rotor. Um, Jason Duffner was second for birdie or better conversion at Wyerly the week before he won this in 2016. Mm. Hudson Swafford had been as high, I think, as... Uh, he'd been third after 54 holes at Wyerly, and he was in the top 16 for birdie or better conversion at Wyerly that year. And John Rahm last year was second for birdie or better conversion at Kapalua before coming here and trouncing the field, or trouncing the field. He got in a he got in a playoff with Andrew Landry. Uh, Scott Piercy was also in the play, places last year, and he was fifth for birdie or better conversion at Wyerly. So I've looked at that number quite significantly last week. And apart from, I always bring this one up at this tournament, and uh, Ram rightly um, blew this trend completely out of the water. But you don't tend to get players of, of the like, uh, um, players that really contend at the very high end at Wyerly and come here and contend again. Because in the main, they, they tend to be a lot of plodders. I mean, if I look at last year, Rahm was second at Kapalua, he won here. But listen to this. Landry was in the playoff. He missed the cut at the Sony. Martin Pillar missed the cut at the Sony. Adam Hadwin was 32nd at Kapalua. John Hurt missed the cut at the Sony. Scott Piercy was 25th at the Sony. And Kevin Chappell was 21st at Kapalua. So pick the bones from that. Those were the guys that filled the each-way places last year. But one trend here is players that are clearly making lots of birdies um, in recent tournaments. Ideally, either at Kapalua or last week at Wyerly. Although I've ex- I've um, just taken that slightly further this year because I I just know that the guy I'm about to mention could well just pop up and say, well, actually that trend about they had to play in um, they had to physically play uh, in Hawaii. Uh, goes out the window with him. Mm. But I tell you where I'm at. Um, I, I mentioned Rahm's winning price last year. I can't resist him this year. Um, I know he's the favourite. I know he's 7-1. to one. But he lives in Scottsdale, Arizona. He's played a lot of his college golf on these golf courses that they play this week. And one thing that came out of a, of a news conference he did for the tournament in December was the fact, and he, he said it was one of the first things that actually came out of his mouth during this conference, I have never defended one of my titles successfully. And for someone like Rahm going to a mediocre tournament like this, I think an elite player that's actually got something on their mind and be able to achieve that as another stepping stone in their career, 
I think that's a powerful thing. So Ram fourth uh, fourth in strokes gained T to green at Kapalua. It was just the flat stick that let him down in the opening two rounds. I actually think Ram at seven to one. I've gone win only. I'm not doing this each way. Uh, malarkey so I've gone four points to win John Rahm at seven to one because as well if you look at Rahm and you look at Rose in this field with such a dearth of quality I can't really foresee a situation where those two aren't in the each way places this week Mm. and that all of a sudden starts to if you're loading your team with guys that are good each way punts that to me is potentially dangerous when you know you're only playing, you know, potentially if you're back in with Bet365 or Ladbrokes, you've only actually got three each way places to go for. So I'm with Ram. Um, clearly, I was with Andrew Putnam last week at 80 to 1. I'm not following this week on the basis that I actually think that you need to be playing some very sweet golf from tee to green arriving here because the greens this week are a lot smaller than we saw at Kapalua and they're a lot smaller than we saw at Wyalai last week. They're actually just about five and a half thousand square feet, which is small by um, yeah, relatively yeah, small. small. When you when you're having to shoot twenty two under, so if you're not hitting greens, you're not going to be shooting enough birdies. No, that's no. that's just fact here. Yeah, I think Cantley might be interesting at twenty to one, but I'm 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 going past him. Um, I can't be back in Charles Howell III third at twenty five to one. So you know, if we're talking about overpriced players, for me, Howell's a danger in that in that category. Um, I've gone a little bit deeper. My my um, mid-price selection, I've gone for Abraham Anser, the Mexican, who, as we were discussing earlier, is sitting third already in the President's Cup points. But the thing I just love about Anser is the way that he's actually really kicked on with his career and yet to win a PGA Tour tournament. But as we all know, you actually look at his performances last year. He was stringing together top uh, top 10 and top 5 finishes across some really major tournaments you know we're talking 5th at Glen Abbey at the uh, Canadian Open he was 7th at the TPC Boston but if you remember that was the tournament that DeChambeau won at uh, TPC Boston and uh, and uh, Anser was actually leading after 54 holes I mean that was a major quality field hmm. He then kicked off this season with fifth at the CIMB Classic on Bermuda Grass Greens in Malaysia. And he was fourth at the Shriners at TPC Summerlin, which again is a desert golf course. And he went down to the Australian Open, as we'd said earlier about Benny Ann. It was Anser that came through the pack and picked up his, his, his uh, yeah. first yeah, big good, victory down good, in the Aussie Open. Good win for him, that wasn't it? Good win. Stat that jumps out at me from last week, he was 29th. There or thereabouts. He was 12th at, fifth, at, uh, at the halfway stage. But the stat that really grabbed my attention was he actually hit the ball over 300 yards last week at Wyalai. And he was first for driving accuracy, first for total driving, and he was first for strokes gained off the tee. So he is driving the ball beautifully at the moment. Um, he was in the top 15 tee to green. I just think Anser's the kind of guy that might just pop up and win this. Uh, not a bad price when we're looking at those target prices that I mentioned at the top of the piece. Yeah. 40 to 1, I don't think is a million miles away in terms of the kind of player that might actually snatch this this week if one of the uh, if one of Ram and Rose don't win it. Um, over and above Abraham Anser, I mean on Luke List. Couldn't resist List at all. Fourth at uh, the Safeway Open, the first tournament of this year. And then he was fourth last time out at the RSM Classic, uh, which they play on Sea Island. 
He then went to the QBE Challenge late in December, teamed up with Charles Howe III and finished third in that, making lots of birdies. And uh, it just the stats of this guy are just unbelievable. Fourth for strokes gained off the tee, seventh for strokes gained tee to green this season. Um, he's already um, very close to the top of the total birdies chart as well. Again, loop list on the golf course, as we know, that isn't overly long, where he can club down. I think list could be a real factor this week. And interestingly enough, his first ever top six on the PGA Tour was at this tournament in 2016. So I think List could be a real danger. Hasn't played this calendar year, but the fact that he was playing so late down in Florida at the QBE doesn't put me off totally. And also, when he um, uh, he started uh, the Sony Open a couple of years ago, he was second after 36 holes. So uh, he can clearly make a fast start coming straight off of his... Uh, his first outing of the year. So Luke List, I've gone one and a half points each way, 50 to one with Coral, who generously were offering seven places each way on that. Yeah, it's uh, interesting to got... see, Don, I'd say it's interesting to see his, um, his putting at the RSM. That was a real step change from where he had been um, and where he typically is. You know, it's, it's all down to the putting with him, isn't yeah. it? You know, if he's, if he's generally putting around about the 1.8, he's, you know, he's not going to win these golf tournaments, but, uh, at 1.67 there at the RSM, that's, um, that's yeah. much more. He was in the- ninth, yeah, ninth for putts per GIR mm. at the RSM. And you know this, Barry knows this, I know this, he's very, very Bermuda positive Luke List. You yep. look at most of his resort, uh, results, they're all on Bermuda grass greens. Yep. And actually on Tiff Dwarf, he's a bit of an animal. Sixth at PGA West in 2016, second at the Country Club of Jackson in 2016, and fourth, as we said, at Sea Island in November. He clearly loves Tiff Dwarf Bermuda Grass Greens. He probably doesn't even know it, but he performs well on them. Yep. So uh, I've gone one and a half points each way on him, one and a half points each way on Answer. That's with Sporting Bet, who, for the first time I can ever recall, have gone seven places each way at 50 odds this week. And finally, a player that I know that we all love, we all, we're all quite big on this chap, Canadian Played brilliantly last week. You were on him, I know, Paul, at 200 to 1 last week once mm. he actually Monday he got, qualified. Got into the field eventually, didn't he? Unbelievable. I can't believe he wasn't in it anyway, but there you go. Um, Corey Connors. I've got a point each way, 66 to 1 with Paddy Power, eight places each way of 50 odds on the very talented Canadian. He is playing some absolutely stellar golf right now, Corey Connors. He also finished second at the Country Club of Jackson last year. You'll remember the tournament. It was the one that, uh, that Cameron Champ won at 40-1. to 1. Connors was second in that. Yeah. So, for me, on a kind of par 72 that can be bullied off the tee and where greens in regulation are, is critical, I think Connors could have another huge week this week. Yeah. Third I know, last I know week you've... at the Sony Open. I know you'd fan, you fancied him for this even before he um, before he produced um, some decent uh, form last week. So it's put a bit of a lid on his price, isn't it? But um, uh, even so, it's got a chance, the lad. Absolutely. So Connors, List, Abraham, Answer, and John Rahm. Those are my four for the Desert Classic. I wouldn't be putting the mortgage on a tournament like this, but. Um, those are the four that I'm going with this week. Right, chaps, we've just about squeezed it into an hour. Uh, it was great to have your company as ever. 
And uh, next week we move. Is it Dubai? It's not Dubai for you, Paul, is it? What, yeah, who Dubai, have you got yeah, next week? Yeah, it's Dubai. It is Dubai. Then we've got uh, the Saudi International the week after. Okay, so Dubai next week and also um, our trip to Torrey Pines mm. with the Farmers Insurance yeah. Open. Always a, yeah, always a good tournament on the PGA Tour. Thank you for your time, gentlemen. Cheers, guys. Guess best of luck. Cheers, guys. Good luck, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening and we will see you again next week. Goodbye.